That's right. Look, I love, like, I love audacity, you know, just, I'm just going to ask. You know, remember when you were a kid and you wanted that candy or you wanted to go to the movies with your friend or you needed gas for your car? You just audacity, you just like, hey, I need this. I need this. And you just had to have it. The same thing with God. Just boldly say, Father, I, I need, I want this, especially when it comes to healing. You know, I'm reminded of what Hebrews 11:6 says. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Like we can't, and even the faith, he gives us the faith to believe in. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It says, for anybody that comes to him, must first believe that he is. Like that he is. He's, he, he created all this. He exists. And then secondly, must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Like he is looking for a, re, he's looking for somebody to reward with his presence, with his power, who are pursuing him with a passion on the inside. This isn't just something we do outwardly, it's something we do inwardly, continually. Father, I'm connected to you, I'm trusting you. Praise God. Thank you, Hannah, for sharing that. And others, I've already, like uh, Pastor Mark Anthony said, we're receiving some incredible testimonies of what God's already done. And, and I'm, I, I don't want to share it just yet. I'm going to let people share it. I don't have to share their story. I want them to share their story. Amen. Well, I'm just, I'm just thankful. What an incredible time to be alive in history, you know? I know when we think about it, and when I say history, I'm not just talking about history. I'm talking about his story. <laughs> so everything is a part of his story from beginning to end, from birth, literally from the, from the creation of the world until now. This is all God's story, and he's invited us into it, invited us to be a part of it. And I pray that each one of you here in this auditorium, those watching online, that you're experiencing that grace, that power in a very special way so that we can, we can engage him at this part of history. And today, just so you know, we're finishing up. Uh, this has been a four-part series. I told the staff I got this when I wanted this to, to be. It's called the Great Commission, the Great Co-Mission. We are co-laborers with Christ. We are, he, God said, hey, not only do I love you, but I want to use you. I want you to be a part of my kingdom. I call you my son, my daughter. I want you to be engaged in what he's doing. He wants us to be a part of that. And so we have, we've entitled it just simply Go and Tell because that's what Jesus said. We've been commanded to go and preach the gospel. And over the last three weeks, I've, I've, I've demonstrated it's not simply the pastors supposed to go preach the gospel. I, I told you our sheriff, he'll sit there and go, hey, preacher, hey, preacher, preacher. He says it with that son. I'm like, you're the preacher. I'm the pastor. That we are all supposed to carry the good news. We're all supposed to demonstrate and share that with other people. And, and uh, when we think about it, it was so important to Jesus that these are the last physical words that he wanted to share with his disciples. I mean, think about it this way. If you knew you only had one conversation left to have with somebody, like you knew it. This is not, hey, you're not feeling well or you, you kind of presume or you think. This is, I know 
I only have one conversation left that I want to have with you. What would you tell somebody? What is it that you would say to them? Somebody that you'd walked with for three years that you'd done life with and you demonstrated what life should be like and what it's like to, to live with God and to be connected with him. What would be that important? Because that's what Jesus did. I love what Matthew, the tax collector, who had turned from following money, that was Matthew. He was robbing people blind. He was collecting taxes for the Romans and he'd give them a little and he'd stick a little in his pocket. He'd give them a little and stick a lot in his pocket. And, and it, this man who was following money, Jesus comes and asks him to follow him and he, he gladly does that and starts following Christ and records it this way in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And what did he do? He didn't just say, hey, I want to keep it for myself. He said, therefore, go. Since I've got this authority, I'm, 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 depart, I'm leaving, but I'm going to leave you with this authority. I'm placing it on you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, not just here, but all over the world. And I'm happy to tell you that we have missionaries all over the world right now because of God's faithfulness. They've heard a calling and they continually pursue him all, all over the world. And he said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And he, 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 his last words, Matthew records is, and surely... Like as you're doing this, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So he's with us in this. We're not in this alone. Let me just say to you, you are never alone. You're not having to walk this out. Jesus said I'm, he left his Holy Spirit to empower us, to connect us. And so that's what Matthew recorded as the last conversation. Mark and I did a study, we did a study uh, a little while back on all the four different gospel writers and, and how, what their purposes were. Matthew was wanting to let the, the Jewish people, there's more scripture references in Matthew than any other thing. And he wanted to let his own people know, hey, he's really the one. Mark was written from a point of action. Like it was for the Romans that let them know, hey, Jesus is just that good and he's on the move and he takes care of business. Mark records it like this in Mark 16, 15 through, um, through 20. He says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Get ready. This is us, y'all. This is what we should experience. In my name, not because of their own, because of the ability and the strength he gives us, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. Y'all watch out. Some of y'all, when I even mention that word, you're like, oh, I ain't messing, I don't mess with no snake. I don't care what the Bible says. I'll kill them, but I ain't picking them up. I'll pick up dead ones. <laughs> I could share a story right now, but I'll save y'all the, the boredom of, of how God saved my life through picking up a snake. It was like, Jesus, he's just that good. Brought, brought the whole thing. Anyhow, he said they will, they will uh, pick up snakes with their 
<laughs> I ain't doing it. And I ain't even going to keep going because some of y'all right now, your skin's crawling just at the thought of that. And when, they, and when they drink deadly poison, not if, and when they drink deadly poison, will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. And this is after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them. He says this and it says he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. The disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied them. That accompanied it. The word. His word. They preached his word and signs accompanied his word. It's not because of them. It was because of God's word. He performs and moves on his word. I love how John the Beloved puts it. He did it in two sentences, and he said it this way. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. I love that one. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, he's sending you. Now look at him again and say, he's sending me. <laughs> See, we like that when he say, he's sending you. Yeah, you got to go. Sorry, he's sending you. He's sending, he's sending Pastor Mark. It's like, no, he's sending you <laughs> and he's sending me. So it's all of us. It's not just one. It's, it's all of us together. He said, he's, I'm sending you. And look what he says. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, receive power to go accomplish what he's called us to do. So it wasn't, he didn't just give us command, but he gave us the power to carry out the command and the commission that he's given us. And then our Dr. Luke and by the way, John, I know it's the last gospel. I went out of order. Some of y'all probably know that already. You're like, uh-uh, Mark. Uh, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I went, John, I jumped it in there on you. Some, I know some of you little rule followers, you're little, uh-uh. I'm like, I just did this on purpose. So, so John's gospel was written from the place of Jesus being a real person. It talks about love more than any other theme about the love of God and how he demonstrates that in this relational aspect. John's gospel even has him with laying his head. The beloved lays his head on his chest at the last supper. He's like, oh, he loves us. He demonstrates that. But Luke, the doctor, he portrays Jesus as the ideal, the perfect man, the gentleman, the, the ideal man. And Luke, he says it in his gospel, but we're not going to turn there this morning, 22, because we're going to jump to Acts. Dr. Luke wrote a gospel, but he also wrote the book of Acts, which we a lot of times refer to as the Acts of the Apostle. But more accurately, it's the Acts of the Apostle under the power and unction of the Holy Spirit that they're actually being able to do what God's called them to do. Same thing is true in our world. So starting in chapter one, verse four, it's Luke writes, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, get this nice setting, they just having a nice meal. Jesus is fixing to check out. He's fixing to leave. And it says they're, they're having this meal and he commands and he gave them this command, do not, do not. Now let me ask you, is there anybody here that gets motivated, motivated by the do nots. <laughs> Besides me, <laughs> like you learned a lot of your life by the do not. <laughs> oh, 
you're telling me not to do that. Well, <laughs> some of y'all too, huh? Well, for me, when he says, when Jesus says do not, he means, hey, it's for their benefit. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, immersed, dipped, plunged. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, so this is what they got out of that conversation. Jesus is saying, I've got, hey, you're, you need to hang out here because I've got something very special. And John, by the way, for those of you that um, are battling with this whole thing of baptism, Holy Spirit, being born again, in John chapter 20, which we just read, where it, where it literally said 20 and 21, when he said, when he breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit at that moment. They were born again. But when he, Luke records it and says, go and wait, that there's more, there's a baptism, there's an immersion, there's a complete, um, where, where I like to, to say this, that, hey, if I were to take this bottle, it's got the Holy Spirit, it's got the water, which a lot of times water means, that, that represents Holy Spirit. And I can say, hey, I have the Holy Spirit, it's in me. But when it talks about dip, plunge, or immerse, if I were to drop this water into a pool, this container, then it flows wherever it goes. The Holy Spirit says, oh yeah, it's in here. He's there. So this is not whether or not, hey, you don't have to, yeah, people, when you give your life to Christ, he comes in and you are, quote, born again. You surrender to him. He does that work on the inside. But then he said, there's more. Everybody say there's more. And I want the more. <laughs> I want to continue. So if I were to do that, he says, you'll be baptized with that. And then this is what the disciples got out of it. This is where they went there. He said, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times and dates that the father has set at his own authority. In other words, they were asking are you going to get rid of these rotten Romans that have been ruling over us and they're going to get theirs finally? And Jesus said, what? This is an inside kingdom. This is a kingdom of God. It's not simply your own personal kingdom or, or what you want to see happen. He says, it's not for you to know those dates and times. But he goes on to say, but you will receive power this dudamus, this dynamite, this incredible power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Remember, being born again, he breathed on them, the Holy Spirit was in them. He's saying the Holy Spirit's gonna come on you, this, this plunge, this immersion, you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, my messengers in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then verse nine, this is the last thing he said to him. Verse nine, after he said this, he's out of here. He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. So he wanted them to have this message and it's the message we've given. He's given it to all his disciples. And if you've ever wondered what a disciple is, because a lot of people see themselves as believers, but they don't see themselves as a disciple. Remember what we read in, 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 uh, in, in Mark, says, uh, Matthew says, go make disciples. 
that we're supposed to go make disciples. What is a disciple? Simply this. It's someone who is following Jesus. I put it in the simplest terms possible. Someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus on a daily basis. Let me say that, because it's not a one time. I made a commitment at the altar one time somewhere when the music just right is there. I made that commitment. I ain't never done anything since. <laughs> you go, can you go to heaven? I, I believe that Jesus said, if he who confesses me before men, I'll confess you before my father. First John 5, 13, I write these things to you, my brothers, who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. So this isn't simply our above the Son. Jesus settles that. But he changed, we're, it, it's being changed by Jesus and is committed to the mission of Jesus to go and make a difference. That's what he's called us to do. He's called every one of us to follow him, to allow him to change us instead of allowing the world to change us. And that's what I, that's what I want to talk about for just a minute. Think about why Jesus needed to say this on his way out. Why was this his last, I got something to say to you. Now we know the Holy Spirit speaks and we know we have the Spirit and he confirms with us his word and he does speak to us. And I just want to tell you, you should be hearing the voice of the Lord and it's not always this, you know, roses. Sometimes it's rebuke. Sometimes it's correction, but sometimes it's confirmation. Sometimes it's affirmation. But why was it that he said, this is so important. I need you to know, this is what I want you to do. And I'll say simply, it's because just like the times we're living in right now, I don't have to tell anybody that our culture and our world is in a mess. Everybody say amen. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about all the things politically, socially, religion. I mean, come on, spiritually. I mean, there are people now that are, that, are, that are embracing doctrines that have nothing to do with the Bible, and they're called Bible teachers. There, are, there is so much culturally, financially, all things that are going on in our world, and it's no different than it was when Jesus was checking out and saying, I got to leave you this, <laughs> because the world then was just as mixed up and messed up as it is now. Matter of fact, if I were to go back to Genesis there were only a few people on the planet. After Adam and Eve fell, they had children. Y'all remember Cain and Abel? It's just two of them. Can't we just get along? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't like my brother. Why? Well, he does things better than me and it makes me look bad. I'm going to take him out. <laughs> just because he was jealous. That was way back then. They didn't even have the stuff we deal with today. They didn't have all of this. The culture, so if we look at, if I were to go back through history, you can see it repeats itself, cycles over and over. And we sometimes think, man, it's never been this bad. It's been this bad. In Jesus' day, they had temples of prostitution. In Jesus' day, that's why Paul wrote all these letters because people were so mixed up. They were worshiping foreign gods. They were, they were uh, their political system. They were, they were the governance of their day. I mean, the pharaohs were some brutal people in Egypt. The Romans, man, goodness gracious, they came up with the torture treatment that killed Jesus. Like, let's see, how can we torture people? I know, let's tie them to a post. And let's take this whip and let's make nine, nine things on it. We'll tie bones and metal and all this. And then we'll, we got it. And then we'll yank it. 
and it'll pull flesh off of them. Man, that's, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Who would come up with that? Who could think that out and then hang them on a tree and, and then say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you hang there till you suffocate, until you die. They're the ones, that, that was the torture they came up with. And so when I say Jesus knew exactly what he was saying, he was giving his disciples a message to say, I need you to carry this message for. And I want to say to us, we have to be more convinced and confirmed in Jesus's message than what the message the world is trying to tell us. Because if not, we just get into confusion and we want to we rail and rant and rave at what's happening in our culture instead of saying, hey, guess what? We're the answer. <laughs> You're the answer to it. You're the one that God has chosen to be the change agent, to be the difference maker. That when you're going through life and you see situations, this is where we get involved. We say, hey, the same way Jesus did at the appointed time, God put his son right here. That's what we've been looking at, talking about his story. The first part of his story is always that God loves us so much. That's the first message. We want to tell the message of how bad everybody is and how bad everything is instead of how good God is. So the gospel means good news. The good news is I'm a sinner saved by grace. I deserve hell, but I get to heaven. I get heaven for one reason, because God so loved the world so much. And I've told you over and I'll say it again. You know what world means? World means those who are far away from him. That's what world means. I know that it means cosmos, the earth, the, the ball of dirt we're standing on. That's part of world. It also means the systems of the world. But in that verse in John 3, 16, it literally means those who are far away from him. And I just want to ask everybody in this room and those online, have you ever personally felt far away from God? Has anybody besides me ever done that? Experienced that to feel like you're alone and, and I can't get to him and there's nothing I can do and felt like, oh, I'm condemned. I, I have no hope. Jesus, the first message is for God so loved the world. He forgave us. He forgives our sin. The next part is where he frees us. So it's enough. To, it's, we could, look, if you're forgiven, look, I, I'm a firm believer. Look, you can still go to heaven and, and have some rough areas in your life, but I believe God wants to do more than that. I believe we can experience freedom to where we get to the point where we're like, woo, we get to live this thing. We start living, not just being forgiven, but being free from the things that entangle us. The hurts, like I put, I, I said a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, hurts, habits, and hangups. Everybody in this room, in the sound of my voice, online, we all have hurts, habits, and hangups. Jesus came to free us from those. That's what he wants us to go and communicate. This is the gospel. This is the good news that he forgives us. He frees us. Last week, we looked at this thing of, of giving gifts, that he empowers us. That he gives gifts to people. That he loves to do that. That's, he's generous with that. Matter of fact, he's given us this commission in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20. It says this. So from now on, from now on, no one, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in the same way, we do so no longer. 
And he goes on to say a very familiar passage. Many people have it memorized. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And some of us have experienced, I hope everybody in this room, today if you haven't experienced that newness, today would be a great day to do that. The new has come. He goes on to say, uh, all of this is from God. It's not anything I've done. It's not anything you could do. All of this is from God who reconciled, this word reconciled, he made us new, he brought us back, reconciled us to himself through Christ and did what? And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have that ministry, every one of us. He's given us the ability, and this is what it looks like. He even, as Paul even describes it, that God was reconciling the world. There's that word again, those who are far away from him. Reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. Man, let me see, how many people's sins have I counted against them? <laughs> ooh, ooh. I loved what Dr. Paul Young-Hee Cho, uh, the leader of the largest church in Korea, <laughs> he said, uh, he, he, he's quoted as saying, I have to forgive so many people every day because I hate so many people every day. <laughs> Because people hurt people all the time. And Jesus, it says that he does, he's not holding people's sins against them. And we try to hold people's sins against them. We want to put that on them. And he said he doesn't do that. Man, it goes on to say, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation that God's not out to punish you. He's out to build you up. He wants a relationship, but he gives us even that freedom and that choice. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let me ask you, if somebody just followed your life around for let's just say a day or maybe a week, where would it lead them to? What would that look like? Would, it, would they be reconciled to God or would they be wrecked and going, mm, I hate people even more now. I'm just, <laughs> they're wretched. I'm like, yeah, praise God. That's, that's what we are. We're born sinners. But by God's grace, he's called us into this kingdom and he's given us and empowered us to live a life I don't deserve. And then I get to help other people experience the same thing. God wants us, and know what it says, us. If I were to go back and read 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, and he is committed to us. Not Pastor Mark. I'm part of it, but we're all a part of it. And that's where I want the church to come alive and wake up. It's not simply me. It's all of us. That you have a sphere of influence around you in your family, in your neighborhood, your coworkers. You have a sphere of influence that you get to bring people on the journey and say, hey, be reconciled. Be restored. God's not mad at you. He's not holding your sins to give them. He's forgiven them. And so he's connected us and empowered us to do so. So why? So, 
So why? So we can help others connect with him just as we have. So what does that look like? How can we make a difference? I, I like to put it this way. Three simple things I want to run over real quick that I believe that when we look at this message, this gospel that we're supposed to be preaching, I believe three things we do it. If we do it this way, I believe people will come running and flocking to Jesus. And I believe there are three things that God wants us to be because that's who he is. The first one is that I want everybody to grasp and us going to make a difference and, and allowing God to do that is be genuine. Anybody ever talk to somebody and you went, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> you pick up on it right away. Like, I'll ask people sometimes, are you trying to convince you or are you trying to convince me? Because it ain't working on me, but you keep trying. You may convince yourself of that. And, and believe it or not, people outside of these walls, they're looking for something. They're, look, they're not looking for a theological discussion. They're looking for a friend. They're looking for somebody that can say, hey, help me. How do I do this right? I know how to do it wrong. I've, I've got that down. I've been doing a good job of that for a long time. And instead, we want to keep telling you doing, you doing, you. It's like, hey, let me tell you how to get this right. Let me tell you what Jesus has done. Let me tell you how he's forgiven you, how he's freed you, how he's gifted you. You can discover those. So be genuine. That's what Matthew, so Jesus, Matthew 5, 43 through 48, he says this. You have heard the, that, uh, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, uh-oh, watch out. Somebody better put your toes in. Hope you wore your steel toe boots. Love your enemies. What? No, 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 no. Okay, I can't be a disciple just because of that. No, he says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is that? Is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors. Y'all, y'all gotta see the beauty of this. <laughs> Matthew, a tax collector, is recording what Jesus said about tax collector. Even corrupt tax collector. Oh, oh, <laughs> he's talking to me. <laughs> corrupt tax collector. I wonder who he means. <laughs> Anybody ever been that person? You should have been there. I'm like, yeah, but you were there for a reason. <laughs> we want to tell somebody else needed to hear that. It's like, no, I think you should have heard that. So he tells them, even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's saying mature. He goes on to say in Romans, I love what Romans 12, Paul talking about really including and reaching out and making a difference in this world and being genuine. And he says, don't just pretend to love others. Mm. 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 That word pretend is rooted in the word hypocrite. And I've shared that a few times during this during the series. People outside the church many times say they won't go to church because of one reason. 
because there are hypocrites in the church. And when they give me that, I don't let them off that easy. I don't, I do not. I'm just that guy. I'm like, really? There are hypocrites in the church? I said, well, you probably better not go to Walmart. Because I bet you, just saying, I bet you there's one or two hypocrites rocking around in there. They pretended to be something they're not. <laughs> I said, anywhere you go, whoa, be careful where you go eat. You better look around. They might be some hypocrites sitting there next to you. I said, don't let them keep you from coming to experience the true, genuine believers. That's why we're to be genuine. He said, don't just pretend to love others. And by the way, if you have a struggle with that, granted, I know I've studied all the personality types. When you start looking at phlegmatic, you look at sanguine, you start, you start going down that whole road. I know there are some people that, man, they love numbers and lists, like People, oh, no, 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 I like task. <laughs> Give me task. People, matter of fact, they frustrate you because they get in the way of you completing a task. <laughs> like, would you stop? I wanna, you want to get something done and others like. So I know some people it may be a struggle, but that means we got to work at it. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And he goes on to say, hate what is evil, hold tightly to what is good. In other words, I don't sit there and love everything they do, but I love them. I'm going to hate the evil that's really entrapped them, the things that they've, that they've that's grabbed a hold of them. I, I hate it so much that, that I love them even more than what I hate. And so that's what Jesus said. He says, love each other with genuine affection. Genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on, what's that word? Day 22 of 21 days of prayer. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So the first one is I want you to do is be genuine. And if you struggle with that, look, the only way to get over that is one way, humility. Humble, acknowledge. Lord, like I said, Dr. Paul, Paul Yancho, I have to forgive so many people every day because I hate so many people because they come at him all the time and tell him what he should be doing. Forgive. Every day you might have to make that your daily ritual. The second one I want you to be, I want you to be genuine and I want you to be generous. God loves a cheerful giver. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what he has decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God likes, he's kind of fond of, no, it says he loves a cheerful giver. And what did he say? If we'll do this, if we'll practice this cheerful giver, it says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will be able to abound in every good work. All, 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 every. All, 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 every. All, 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 every. You'll have all things at all times, having all that you need, so you abound in every good work. And then I love what Peter, this is kind of ironic too, that Peter writes this, 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11, talking about being generous. 
God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. I told you last week, I want you to discover them, I want you to develop them, and I want you to deploy them. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Peter is saying this. Peter, the one that was impetuous, that was willing. I mean, here he is making a case that, hey, be generous. Let's make sure we go after him. And then finally, the third thing is, so I want you to be genuine. I want you to be generous. And this is going to be tough for some of y'all. <laughs> this is where you got to work on it. Be gentle. But I want to clarify this. <laughs> be gentle towards others. But be strong and militant towards Satan. <laughs> so I, this is like, hey, this is like, hey, when, when the enemy comes. So my prayer life ramps up. When I feel like there is a satanic or spiritual attack, that's when it's time. Like, I ain't just like, Father. I'm like, Satan, get thee behind me in Jesus' name. Like, oh, no, this is where we get militant. But when we're dealing with others, we want to be gentle. That's what it says in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's where we're militant. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world, and against spiritual force of evil in the heavenly realm. That's where we get spiritually militant. But when we talk about being gentle, it's because Jesus himself is gentle. Matter of fact, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, very familiar passage of scripture to some of us. It says, come to me. Like if you're having a struggle with any of these, being genuine, you know, being generous, being gentle. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, you're trying to do it, but you just can't quite get it. Come to me. And he said, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am Have you ever got the picture of Jesus? So I love what scripture portrays him as. Scripture portrays him as, he isn't a lamb or a lion. He is like, he is like the, the lamb of God, but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. So he's both lion and lamb, but it says he's gentle. He's lion when somebody comes at, starts messing with his children. He's a lamb when he's dealing with his children. He's like, I want to, to, I want to draw you in. So it's, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your. That's your mind, your will, and your emotion. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is life. If you've been feeling heavy and overweight, this is where we come to Jesus when we talk about this thing of being gentle. And I want to, I want to close with this right here because Peter. There again, we're going to go back to 1 Peter in chapter 3. And he says this, starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. 
Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from the evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face, doesn't turn his heart, he turns his face against those who do evil. And he goes on to say this, and I love this coming from Peter. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this. in a gentle and respectful way. Like I said a moment ago, people, they're not looking for, they're looking for a friend. Do this in a respectful, gentle way, gentle, respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then even if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you have lived because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing what is wrong. Let me say to you, when we walk this life and we're talking, Jesus has called us to be his disciples, to go and preach the good news. Man, if we do it this way, if we're, if we, if we're genuine and we're generous and we're gentle as we go about this life saying, hey, I'm just telling you what God says. I'm trying to encourage you to connect with him. Be reconciled. When we do this, I believe with all my heart, this church and every church in America that claims Christ is the Lord and Savior, there wouldn't be enough room for people when they begin to experience that. That's what God wants to do through you and me. And at this time right now, I'm going to ask, we're going to partake. It's the last Sunday of the month. In the last Sunday of every month, we partake of the Lord's Supper together. And I think how appropriate it is when we're talking about us making a difference in the world because what we're celebrating here right now is Jesus making a difference in our lives. And so I'm gonna ask the men they go, and women if y'all go ahead and pass that out. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And as they're passing this out, I just want us to recognize and realize we cannot do this on our own strength and effort. Never will we be able to accomplish what God's called us to do in our own ability. If we could, Jesus had no reason to come and he certainly had no reason to send his Holy Spirit to breathe life. The word spirit, it means pneuma. It brings life to your spirit, the core of your being. The spirit comes in and, and, it, and, it, and it animates you to the life of God. It connects you. It's, it gives you something you don't deserve, just like salvation. It's given to us by grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
As I confess, Jesus forgives. As I spend time in his presence, he cleanses. He cleanses me from me. Not because I'm better than you, because I need to be better than me. (laughs) You need to be better than you, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so as we celebrate the Lord's this morning, I, Sam, we're going to come out in this, and this is a celebration. I know sometimes we come and it's real somber because of the Last Supper. But I want us to celebrate for a minute because this is the greatest message the world has ever heard. And so many times we keep it to ourselves. And I want you to get excited about what Jesus has done for you, what Jesus is still doing in you, and what he wants to do through you.